Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, March 3rd edition of Bang the Book Radio. My name is Adam Burke, your host for the next 45 minutes or so. Let's go over all kinds of things in the world of sports from a betting focus. Happy to have you with me as one guest joins me on the show, but he is our jack of all trades. That is Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. We'll talk some NHL, we'll talk some golf, we'll talk some NASCAR, we'll talk some college basketball conference tournaments with a focus on the Mountain West Conference here on today's show. Over at bangthebook.com, speaking of conference tournaments, I'm previewing all 32 of them for you over at the website. I think I got about seven or eight of them up so far. Four of them start today, a couple more start tomorrow. All of those are previewed over at the website, so please make sure you check those out and keep checking back as I'll be updating our conference tournament landing page as I get those written. As you know, my 2020 Major League Baseball betting guide in PDF form over at bangthebook.com on Amazon for you to go and check out. That's $4.99, or you can click through and check out the individual articles over at the website. Plenty of stuff there, all 30 teams previewed, all division, pennant, and World Series futures, individual player futures as well. Tons of good stuff in that 250-page document. So please make sure you check that out. Share that with your friends. I would very much appreciate that. Also over at the website, we've got daily NHL, daily college basketball, daily NBA, soccer, tennis, golf, NASCAR, you name it, we got it over at bangthebook.com. Finally, as you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook. 100% 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. We start things off here with our one guest and our one segment. That is Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Brian, how's it going today, man? All right, Adam. It was good to see you last week, pal. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was good to come in studio with you. Good to chat a little bit. And uh, good to get you back on my program here after we had some technical difficulties last Tuesday, unable to do the segment. So we'll do things right here on today's show. And something we didn't get to talk about last week, the NHL trade deadline was last Monday. We didn't really get to talk about the impact of some of those deals, or at least what we thought the impacts of some of those deals would be. But at least a week later, we know what the impacts of some of those deals are. So now that the dust is settled, now that we're about a week removed from the deadline, what are some of the trades and some of the transactions that have stood out to you? Well, I... You know, the the Rangers, you know, they keep Kreider and then he gets hurt. Uh, unfortunate break for them. I thought the Bruins uh, made a sneaky good move. You know, Kasha was a nice player they get from the Ducks, but the guy they pick up is more along the roll guy. I think Nick Ritchie's a perfect fit for the Bruins. Um, you know, with the Lightning swinging for the fences, they're all in. I mean, the East is going to be insane this year. Uh, I like Colorado a lot in the West. I don't think they... Did enough, but I still like this team, and, and the kid, Francis, gets a contract. I had a funny feeling he might end up being the number one guy anyway over Grubauer. Uh, and you look at teams starting to make a little bit of a push in, in the playoff race. The, the home stretch is going to be great. And then, you know, the one thing we always talk about, Adam, you know, if, if you're a one or two seed in either conference, you know, those seven and eight seeds, man, when, when they come in, you know, they are going to be dangerous because the team's – uh, that are the wild card teams have been playing playoff hockey, you know, just to get in. In, in Vegas, you know, with the Robin Leonard thing was a little eye popping. Wow, uh, nice insurance policy certainly for the Golden Knights with the tandem of Flurry uh, and Leonard going into the playoffs. 
you know, it's kind of funny because uh, we look at Edmonton and, and they get a fantasy you and, you know, I mean, it was, it was funny because, you know, I showed you a tweet. We were both at the Golden Knights and Oilers game. Obviously, you were up in the press box. I was sitting with Brian Leonard. We we're both at that Oilers Knights game. And I showed you a tweet on Thursday morning when I was in studio with you from Dmitry Filipovich about, you know, how Edmonton picked up Tyler Ennis and how Connor McDavid wasn't used to playing with guys that have speed. So that it was a screenshot. It was a still of McDavid floating a pass to the middle of the ice. It was a good five feet behind Tyler Ennis. And it talked about how Alex Chason, who he was formerly playing with, just didn't have the speed. So McDavid put it where he you know, thought Chason would have been, but he's playing with Ennis. So Edmonton adds some speed here with some of their transactions leading up to the trade deadline. All of a sudden, last night, they pop off for eight goals. And it's just sort of an illustration of how these trades and transactions and line changes and stuff like that, they take a little bit of time to take hold. And maybe last night we saw just how scary this Edmonton offense can be. Yeah, but in there, they did, I believe, uh, that Ennis's first game, right, was that, that was the Vegas game. But then these guys went on, and they scored a beautiful tic-tac-toe uh, goal. Uh, Anthony Siu with a, re- a cross-ice pass from McDavid to Anthony Siu, and then the pass to Ennis in the redirect. So there's a little bit of a transition and a learning curve you know, to play with one another. But what those, those moves do, it keeps McDavid and Dreisaitl split. Yeah, you know, if you were carrying, you have the, these two guys were just you know wiping out teams on their own, and you're wondering how long can they sustain that? Well, you know Dreisaitl's you know racing to the top of the Hart Trophy list the season he's having. Edmonton is going to be you know fun and high scoring. The goaltending remains the big issue there. You know, is is a Mike Smith or a Koskinen going to take you very far in a series? I that remains a, a real question mark. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, again, it's just like anything else where you start playing with new guys and, and you have to get used to it. You know, it happens in the NBA. It happens, obviously, in college basketball as a result of injuries. It happens a lot in the NHL, especially with how teams are rolling their lines and things of that sort. One other trade I wanted to touch on with you here. Um, I like Carolina. I still think this Carolina team can make a big push. I'm kind of surprised that they have it already. But they got Vincent Trocheck, and you know Carolina is a team that made a good playoff run last year. Like I said, they're still a team that I kind of like here in this metropolitan division. Uh, they've lost three in a row. They're not exactly playing all that well right now. But Trocheck, a guy that can help them this year and down the line a little bit, is is that something that can get Carolina, you know, a little bit more into this playoff hunt? Yeah, and don't sleep on the other move they made. They gave up a first-round pick to get Brady Shea, so they worked things out on the blue line, too. The problem was, you know, both of their goalies got beat up. So, you know, the goaltending's a little on the sketchy side, but I do I like this team, too. This is a big team uh, that has potential. Can they kick the door down? Yeah, the way they're going, uh, I think that they're certainly one of the teams to watch for an interesting stretch run. The Islanders have to get things going again. They have been really kind of treading water, a uh, big believer in the coach there. Uh, you know, Trotz flat out knows what he's doing. But you look at this race where, you know, the Blue Jackets, uh, kind of your backyard, 2-4-4 four, and four in their last 10. The Islanders, 3-5-2 and two in their last 10. And they have just flat out opened the door for the Hurricanes and the Rangers. And they opened the door for the Panthers. And then, the you know, the Panthers have just done what they always do. They've just puked all over their skates. So and the Penguins have lost six in a row. I mean, what's going on in the East? It, it's unbelievable. 
And it's funny, too, because the other team in Pennsylvania, the Philadelphia Flyers, are the hottest team in the NHL, which, you know, I, I or at least the hottest team in the Eastern Conference, which I, I didn't really see that one coming. No, I, so the Flyers are uh, on a heater. You know, Boston's just been a well-oiled machine. Tampa's got the horses. Toronto's a disaster in their own end. They get embarrassed in that game, losing to the Zamboni goalie, and then they turn around and win three in a row. So, you know, they can outscore teams. You know, I don't know how you ever step up to the plate playing under in a Maple Leafs game. One last thing I want to ask you about here before we dig into the Tuesday night card is that, you know, we've asked about futures before here on the segments, and you've always said, you know, well, I like to wait until the trade deadline. I like to wait and see, you know, who teams pick up, which of those guys they're going to use for that ultimate playoff push. Did you dabble in any futures here now that the trade deadline has come and gone? Uh, nothing. I mean, the, the two I liked, I, I still very much believe in Colorado in the West. I mean, St. Louis has been terrific. Um, it, it's hard to look past them. I think Vegas has found their groove. Uh, and now Vegas, I think the goaltending's really, I mean, you were going to ride Flurry, but I mean, you know, Leonard's, Leonard's really good too. But I can't get away from Colorado just because, you know, the regular season's a regular season. And, you know, Colorado's won seven in a row. has nothing to do with that. Colorado's won seven in a row, and they're still in a mass unit. Uh, the Francis kid gets a contract and is playing really well in net for them. But in a seven-game series, Colorado can come at you in waves uh, with the speed they have. You know, McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog when they're healthy. But don't sleep on their role guys who are terrific. Kadri uh, comes back. He'll be a big boost for them. But the guy that's just, uh, he is just a warrior. And the guy, wa- you watch Colorado in the playoffs. Watch what Matt Calvert does for them. I- I'm very much on board Colorado in the East, um, or in the West, rather, at 10-1 to 1 to win the Cup. And the team I had saddled up with from a price perspective just to have some wiggle room as the playoffs would go along is the Islanders. Uh, well, I-, I think they'll right the ship. And that, that is that is purely a bet on the coach. That That's a bet on trots in the East. Because, you know, the one thing you're going to get in the second round, Boston and Tampa Bay are going to play, right? So one one of the studs is just gone, you know. So for can the island – the Penguins are coming back to the pack here. And, you know, can the Islanders get by the Penguins and play the Flyers in the first round? That would certainly behoove their chances. Yeah, that's, again, one of those interesting things you have to look at here with this new playoff format that the NHL instituted a few years ago. That definitely has a substantial impact on the futures market. The one thing that really stands out to me about Colorado, 23-9-2 and yep. two on the road. I mean, we know that Denver's a great home ice environment because you've got the altitude. A lot of times they play you know, back-to-back, stuff like that at home. The altitude is a big advantage for them. They've been a better road team. And in fact, they're 18-2-1 when scoring first on the road. And that's what you want in the playoffs, a team that can score first on the road and then takes care of business when they do. So Colorado here, we know as you get deeper into the season, as guys get more tired, things of that sort, you know, that altitude is going to play up in the playoffs. And if they're this good on the road now, and they can sustain that. Well, you know, Colorado, definitely a team that's got a pretty bright future there. But we take a look here at this Tuesday night card. I believe we got, what, 10 or 11 games on the docket here for this evening. Vegas, a $3 favorite against New Jersey in your backyard. But what about the other games on the card for tonight? Anything you're kind of looking at? Well, I mean, clearly, you know, Edmonton 
lighting the lamp with regularity. And it's Edmonton and Dallas, and they put a total up at five and a half. This was not on on the dance card here, but just the way Edmonton's going here, and they could have tired legs, could produce some goals for Dallas if Edmonton wears down on the back end. And uh, you know, we just got done documenting the offense you got in play there. I don't know how you make any Edmonton game. I don't know how you make it anything less than six. They've made it five and a half. I hate the word value, but clearly, um, you know, it's a three-two game. Uh, maybe, and you get an empty netter. I, I think uh, you take a look at that. That one based solely on the number. The other one for me, I kind of liked the game before last night, and this is the one that six is Minnesota's a sneaky over team, and Nashville. Uh, you would think Nashville would try to batten down the hatches after what happened to them last night. But the Nashville-Minnesota uh, game, I thought, uh, was one that kind of stood out that could be a higher-scoring game. Yeah, that Edmonton and Dallas game, I think that's a really good one to find out about this Edmonton style. You know, because we've talked about this already. In the playoffs, things do generally tend to tighten up a little bit. You tend to get some lower-scoring games, not just in the postseason, but in the push for the postseason as well. Scoring eight on Nashville last night is one thing because Nashville's given up a ton of goals this year. What they do tonight against Dallas, a very stout defensive team with extremely good goaltending. This is a good litmus test game for Edmonton tonight. So even if you don't have any action on it, I think it's a pretty good one to sort of see where Edmonton's at right now with what they've got going on and you know how that could play up or play down for them as this playoff push continues. You know, and I, I just I would throw just a philosophy out there that maybe uh, folks want to kick the tires with a little bit and – it's funny, these angles that have just been tried and true and worked all season long. Um, had, had friends in from out of town over the weekend, so you know, we were at the Sabres-Golden Knights game, so it comes to, uh, and Buffalo played good enough to beat Colorado and Vegas. I mean, and they were just so deflated, losing both games that, I, frankly, they could have won. So they're going to play Arizona, uh, I guess it was Saturday night. So my buddy said, well, what do you do? do you, I mean, do, do you think that you come back with them? And I'm like, no, yeah, but I said, you know what? I said, there's just something, the back-to-back nights, you get the inflated price that's baked into the price. And, and the more I, I see this, I said, you know what? I said, play the Sabres in the first period. And the Sabres were like plus $1.35 in the first period. I, I, said, I think teams that play back-to-back nights, they travel, they go, they get there, they warm up, and they, they just got done playing a game. And I think the teams that play back-to-back nights – Start fast. And the other teams are, you know, trying to get going and get their legs in. And sure enough, because I think they'll start fast, I think, but they'll fade. And sure enough, Buffalo gets a 2 nothing lead and then got mauled. But hit the plus $1.35 play in the first period. So look for that. The teams that play back-to-back nights, you're always going to get an inflated price. Consider playing uh, that team, the road team, in the first period because if the back-to-back night thing gets to them, it's usually uh, the second half of the game where their legs get weary. Boston and Tampa Bay tonight. You know, obviously, it's a marquee matchup here in the NHL for this evening. And, you know, I always kind of like to look at this, and, and I don't have any data to quantify this. Obviously, I wish I did because otherwise it's just kind of a narrative-based thing. But I sort of feel like when you play, you know, these top dogs, when you play this, you know, second-round playoff preview type of game, something like that, there's maybe a little bit of a hangover effect in that next game but as far as handicapping tonight's game specifically tampa bay short favorite at home what do you think about tonight's matchup uh i'm not going to go near it but the one thing i would say 
it, it's a big game in that I think Boston's pulled away and, and they're going to win the, uh, the division. But this is a game, I think, that's all about we'll see you guys in a few weeks. You know, this is a message sender. I, I, part of me, if, if I was going to step up and play it, I'd probably go under the total. But I, it'd be fun to watch because I would envision this could be a real nasty game. You know, I mean, I think they play it close to the best. It's really physical. It's scary things. Maybe you get a lot of power plays. But I, I think this is uh, all about sending a message for the playoffs because they're on a collision course. The result tonight, I mean, if anything, I mean, I mean, you're getting Tampa at a you know a low price at home, and you're getting the Bruins, you know, plus a nickel or something. Well, you know, when do you ever get the Bruins plus a nickel? I mean, it, it's one of these games where I think they're sending messages tonight, which is more important than the result of the game, which makes it a tough game to bet. I'd I'd probably lean under the total. One more thing I want to ask you about on the NHL side, Brian. Then we'll head on down to Florida for the Arnold Palmer. In the NBA, we know that tanking exists, and it is a very, very real thing, and we see it all the time. In the NHL here, just about everybody, somewhere between 15 and 17 games left to go. Uh, The Penguins and the Islanders have 18 games left to go. Tanking in the NHL, is it something you look for? Do you look to fade those bottom feeders, lay those inflated prices? I I think that ship has sailed. I think that was clearly a thing four or five years ago. But now, and we just saw it last, was it last year? I don't ex- exactly remember where they were, but wasn't like Jersey was like, you know, he won the ping pong balls and uh, leapfrogged a lot of people. Chicago was way up and they, they came down and got Kirby Dak. The, basically, you know, the ping pong balls dictate the top three. So, I mean, believe me, Detroit, Detroit should get the first pick. They've earned it. I mean, they're brutal. They only have 35 points. Um uh, the tanking thing, no, I think guys are – hockey players are pretty accountable guys. And, and the one thing is the goalie's always the great equalizer too, you know. Um, so the, the tanking thing in hockey, not so much. Yeah, I don't think so either. And that is something that we'll have to follow along with here. But, you know, I mean, you got a team like New Jersey, 6-2-2 two two in their last 10 with no playoff prospects. So you, know, you would think that they'd probably fall off a little bit. The Kings, the, the Kings three in a row. Yeah. No, the yeah. Kings are uh, actually. It, I, I don't have. Uh, I can find it, but it's something like six, three, and one or something in their last ten. The Kings are playing hard, and and they're talking about, uh, you know, building a foundation for next year. They're playing Cal Peterson, who's probably going to be the number one goalie here, uh, or at least one and one A come next year. So no, I mean, some of these teams are they, they do play hard. And the other thing I, I would say to you, uh, Adam, in, in terms of embracing the role of spoiler, the other thing are that. You know, even if a team's hopelessly out of it, division games are division games. There's familiarity. Uh, stuff gets built up over the course of the season. So the bad teams, especially in division games, uh, they're not rolling over. No, and especially, too, you know, when you, when you look at teams that aren't very good, and, and obviously most of the teams here in the NHL that aren't very good don't score a whole lot of goals, well, they don't have anything to play for. So they're going to go out there and guys are going to try to put up numbers. They're going to try to put up stats. They're going to play a little bit more open of a game, a little bit more free and easy of a game. And the other team may be a little bit tighter. So you know, there's also that element to it too. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you play an up and down game against somebody. And if your goalie has a bad night, all of a sudden you're losing six, four. If you're playing a team that's fully invested, you know, two to one, three to two types of games, a lot tighter. So you know, I think that's an element we can kind of take a look at. The one caveat that I would have, I think a team like San Jose, that's so accustomed to making the playoffs and isn't going to do it this year, 
those are the teams that I like to look to go against. Teams that are accustomed to having a certain level of expectations that they're not going to get to. I think those are the types of teams that can mail it in to a degree. Not teams like the Kings that weren't going anywhere anyway. The Devils, same thing. The Senators weren't going anywhere anyway. It's just business as usual for those teams. But if you had higher hopes and you're not getting there, those are teams I do like to fade across all sports when it gets to this time of the year. Uh, I I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, but then all of a sudden you look at San Jose's 1-2 and, and Pittsburgh can't beat anybody and they hammered Pittsburgh the other night. So, uh, you know, the, the things that, that look obvious sometimes aren't. All right, so let's take a look over on the golf side of things here. Very good tournament this week. The Arnold Palmer Invitational down at Bay Hill. And again, this is an invitational tournament. So what that means is that you've got the smaller field. You've got the much bigger purse, the bigger prize pool. What happens with that is we tend to get a very, very good field. We got a very good one here this week. It's not as strong as I guess it could be, but it's certainly very, very good. Rory, your five to one favorite. Fleetwood and DeShambo, 14 to one. Matsuyama, 18. Xander Shoffle, who tends to play his best in very good fields at 20 to one. Bunch of guys in the 20 to 25 range, including Sung J Im, who got that first one uh, finally. It seemed like it took forever for that one. But I mean, you're getting guys like Rose and Finau and Benny on in 30, 35 to one range. Leishman, Stenson, 35 to one. A lot of good price hunting to do this week at Bay Hill. Yeah, last week, right, we had the technical issues, so we didn't do it. And my top pick last week of all people was Lee Westwood going into the tournament. So it was kind of heartbreak on Sunday because I had Westwood. And he was the, you know, the top of the leaderboard the whole week, lives on the course. And he had a real shot. Uh, the Honda Classic is becoming one of my favorites. I mean, it's like a U.S. Open. It's carnage. And if you post the score, you can be in the clubhouse and win. And then, on, and this is what we talk about when we do the golf every week. Have your plays coming in, and then you can reload. And Sunday morning, I mean, I'm really disappointed. Sunday morning, uh, five shots back, I played Ben on at 80-1. to 1. He birdies the first four holes. I'm telling you, Adam, he must have missed – after he birdied the first four, he must have missed six putts inside 10 feet, including a three-footer for birdie on 15. And it's the kind of course where you put a number up and guys were just unraveling coming in. And Sung J.M. gets it done, 25-1. Uh, to 1. By the way, I, I know you were traveling. No one made a big deal about this. I'm watching this. Tommy Fleetwood birdie 17. So now he needs a birdie to tie, eagle to win on 18. It's a great drive. And I mean, as in his backswing, as he's going to to make the pass at it, some jackass in the crowd yells, I mean, top of his lungs, get in the hole. And he just pushes it right in the water. And the announcers never said anything. Oh, Tommy Fleetwood, boy, you know, hard to believe he did that. I'm like, it wasn't hard to believe. The guy screamed in his backswing. It was unbelievable. So that one's in the rearview mirror. But what I would say about Sung J.M., and you know how much we talked about him last year, the thing about this kid he was always there, and he'd you know do something stupid, or he wouldn't make the putts and come through. Now he wins, but he plays every week. This is he played more tournaments than anybody last year. He doesn't have a house; he lives out of a hotel, so he's just a gr- he's a grinder. He's he just plays and plays and plays and plays and on to the next one. Well, now he's got a win under his belt. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if a lot of guys it's like it'd be a letdown, but I, it wouldn't shock me if he actually comes back and. Plays pretty good this week, but I'm I'm bomb hunting again here. Uh, I will tell you, 
you know, I liked Westwood last week, and I like Ian Poulter this week. Poulter had a, had a pretty good week at the Honda Classic. Ran a little hot and cold, but I think Poulter's game sneaky good here, and you're getting 90-1 to 1 on Ian Poulter. They're, uh, Stenson and Poulter live on the course. The other guy's Graham McDowell. So there's a home court thing for them. But and Henrik Stenson's 40 to 1, Ian Poulter's 90 to 1. I, you know, <laughs> I know who I'm playing. I, I like Ian Poulter at a price, and I don't think JB Holmes. What do you think the disdain is from the odds makers with a guy like JB Holmes? I, how is JB Holmes, I, you know, not 50, 60 to 1? Why is JB Holmes 100 to 1? Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess JB Holmes is just one of those guys that everyone feels is a one trick pony with distance off the tee and. You know, that's kind of it. I mean, I guess that's the only thing that I can think of. Maybe that's just sort of, you know, his reputation out there in the community. But you mentioned Stenson. Stenson here, five top eight finishes in his last seven starts at this event. He was 17th last year, fourth in 2018, somehow missed the cut in 17, but was third, second, fifth, and eighth the previous four years. Hasn't played in about a month, but as you said, you know, got that home course advantage here. Uh, in this one, few other guys that have played very, very well at this course recently. Francesco Molinari won last year. He's got four top tens in his last six starts at this event. Rory won in 2018. He's got three straight top sixes. Uh, you look around at some of the other guys here. Matt Everys won this thing twice. He's also missed the cut three of the last four years. So probably want to look to avoid a guy like that. Uh, a couple of guys that I kind of have on my radar here this week. I'm going to come back with Benny on. I think that, you know, what you mentioned there about him in the fourth round there on Sunday, playing very well, top five last week, top 10 in this event last year. I do like him a little bit. Rafael Cabrera Bayo's a guy, back-to-back top 20 finishes. He was third in this tournament last year. He's going off, uh, not a great price, but he's going off in that 50 to one type of range. So those are a couple of guys that I like here. Benny on uh, and a guy like, um, wow, who did I just say? Uh, uh, Ben on and him. God, no, I I believe I know what's going on right now. Uh, No, I know, kid. You know the other one, and and it's one of these things where, you know, any week he can show up and play, and and the thing is, when he shows up and play, then you ain't never seeing this price again the rest of the year. Justin Rose at forty to one. You know, when Justin Rose wins a tournament, he's going to be twenty to one the rest of the year. But you're getting 40 to 1 now. So there's a Justin Rose thing. The other guy I would just throw out there, because I got a future on him for the Masters, and he had wrist, uh, he had a wrist problem, and he, he basically came off a long layoff and played really well in Mexico and didn't play last week. Ty Hatton at 55 to 1. Uh, not crazy. Rafael Cabrera Bayo was the other guy that I mentioned. There you go. I don't know how the hell I forgot that. I just mentioned the guy's name. But. Uh... I, I don't know. Maybe I'm still, maybe my mind is still in Vegas. I don't know. It, it's, it's hard for me to leave that town every time I go out there. Just Well, you and I, it's funny. I mean, yeah, nah, you and I were just talking about is that uh, th- this time of year is, is harder. It, you know what I mean? Because there's so much going on, which is cool. But you know, you, you, the football season, when football starts, football's like a, like a greased wheel, right? You know, once you get into a groove and a rhythm, uh, with football, but here it's like you got you know, hockey, you got NASCAR, you got golf, you got the, the conference tournaments. Uh, oh, there's a boxing match. Uh, you know, I mean, this time of year is it's it's neat, but it's you're you know you're being tugged in a lot of directions. 
Yeah, you definitely are. Like you said, I mean, football is just, it's just so repetitive. You know, you, you know, you got games on Saturday and Sunday and you get you know, the occasional weeknight games, but you got all, you know, you got several days to sort of handicap this stuff, kind of figure it out. I'm scrambling to write conference tournament previews. Like I mentioned in the intro for today's show, um, you know, there is a lot of stuff going on, but one last point I will say here about this golf tournament real quick. You mentioned Justin Rose, four top tens in this event, six top 15s dating back to 2011. And as you said, that's a guy, and we get this sometimes where, you know, some of the really good players aren't in great form cycles. Like we've talked about before that 33 to one, like you said, if he wins a tournament, every event, the rest of the year, he's 15 or 18 to one, if not lower, maybe it is a time to jump on a guy like Justin Rose. And if he doesn't get one this week, maybe it's next week at the players, or maybe it's, you know, one of these events here uh, around the majors, because that's a guy, he's too good to go too long playing the way that he is. Well, and the Masters odds have been up forever, right? And these dance around too. So Justin Rose is 25 to 1 to win the Masters. And he's 40 to 1 this week because of current form. The thing is, though, if he wins this week, then his Masters numbers goes up 20 to 1. Yeah. No, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot, in particular with younger players. I know Joaquin Neiman was a guy you mentioned a lot. Sanjay Emma guy you mentioned a lot when he was in that 50, 55 to one range, stuff like that. You want to try to hop on these things before these prices go down. And, and maybe Justin Rose, a guy like that here for this week, uh, maybe a guy like Benny on, you know, a guy, if he wins a tournament, his prices will be down a little bit too. And Ty Hatton's a guy that, you know, we've talked about a few times here and he is getting some of that respect at 45 or 50 to one. But if he wins one in particular, when he goes back to the European tour, his price is going to be short week after week after week. Oh, oh by the way, in, in in terms of cash on the ticket, I'll sit there and say this and say I, I had Leishman, but I didn't have the other guys. But if you remember coming out of the President's Cup, and we were doing the podcast, and I said that you know that that international side pushed the Americans, and there was the young guys and guys that that played really good and got so much out of it. And I said, watch out for these guys coming out of the President's Cup. And now that I'm thinking about it, go back to this. I had Leishman. He won. I think had him at uh, 450-1, to one, I think, when he won. Did not have Cameron Smith, but he won. Now Sung J.M. has won. Patrick Reed won. And Patrick Reed uh, you know, went through all that, all that adversity. The guys that came out of the President's Cup are racking up wins in subsequent weeks. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Definitely an excellent point. And uh, make sure you check out our Bang the Book YouTube page where Brian will have some more thoughts here on the Arnold Palmer Invitational for us later on this week. But let's make some left turns here, Brian. Let's go down to Phoenix Raceway in Avondale, Arizona. This is the fourth race already of the NASCAR season, the Fan Shield 500. And I know we're, we're both going to go. I know the direction we're both going to go for this race, but... Kyle Busch, your favorite in the three and a half to four to one range. Martin Truex Jr., the second favorite, five to one or so. Denny Hamlin, six to six and a quarter to one. Kevin Harvick, 660, seven to one. Chase Elliott in the 12 to one range. Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, all the Penske guys on down from there. It's Phoenix, man. How the hell is Kevin Harvick not the favorite here? No, I know. I mean, it's almost like you just handed it to him. Well, nine they- career wins. Nine. And he's the overlay, but you look at the guys that are ahead of him, ahead of him Bush plus 350, Truex plus 450, Hamlin plus 6-1, to one, Joe Gibbs Racing, right? Those three cars, the setup, 
Uh, that's the deal there. Uh, Logano's been running really good and competitive in every race. Ryan Blaney is just, you know, bad luck in all three races. Blaney's got a really good car. Last week was actually, it was almost a gift uh, with with Bowman getting hammered down. I think he went off at 5-1. to one. But, boy, if you were ever going to, you know, go, and it's a car race and anything can happen. But, boy, you if you looked at what he did in both practice sessions, uh, by a country mile, he had the car to beat. And it, it was it was no contest. So always check out those practice sessions. And, you know, if you're playing matchups or things of that ilk, uh, don't kid yourself. The practice sessions really matter. Forget qualifying. They set the car up. You know, maybe you know, it's a one-lap shootout. It means nothing. Maybe if you're going to try to gauge who's going to run well on the weekend, it's all about the practice sessions. And, and, gonna... and, and find out who improved from practice session one to practice session two. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about is, you know, in terms of market entry from a NASCAR standpoint, you know, obviously we talk about these on Tuesday when we've got, you know, futures odds to win, but you know, these prices certainly move around based on the starting grid and based on the practice and qualifying sessions as well. So do you try to hop out there and, and get some early week value or do you kind of wait and see how the cars look on the track first? Uh, no, I mean, the way to do it is to, if you can, is go before practice and qualifying. Because if anything, the price is just going to come down. Um, like Blaney, it's been so good in all three weeks and has just had horrific luck. But he's had a car that's contended to win uh, not only uh, at a restrictor plate race, but then in the mile and a half races. So Blaney's car is really good. And if if he has a good week of practice and qualifying, I mean, that 12 to 1 you know, probably could come down you know, in that 8 to 1 range. So Blaney would be the guy to me that I think his number could come down. And, you know, Logano's just in the meat of it all the time. I mean, he's just consistently always there. But honestly, I, how do we, you know, we're sitting here talking about it, but how do you just not step up to the plate on Harvick now at 6-1? to one? Well, you know, Harvick has great practices and wins the poll. What does he do? Does he come down to seven? Does he come down to the favorite along with Kyle Busch? I think it's a possibility. And also something to keep in mind here is that they've transformed and shifted around the NASCAR schedule quite a bit. The championship race on November 8th is now at Phoenix Raceway. It, forever it was at Homestead Miami Speedway. That's actually the sixth race now, the Dixie Vodka 400, coming up on March 22nd. So the championship race is here at Phoenix. So that'll have an impact on those extreme futures odds in terms of looking at the driver's well, championship where right now Kyle Busch your favorite but Kevin Harvick well, no, second well, how is that I mean if, if that, if that's the case how you not betting Harvick to win the championship right yeah I, that's right I mean he, he gets a win he's in the playoffs and then he contends and he's one of the top three at the end of the year at the track he always wins at I mean if his future odds to you know win the driver's championship you know should be six to one the reality is he should be seven to two because he's going to the you know if he gets there he's going to the track where he owns it now there is one other thing i want to ask you about here with regards to this race you know so far i mean look alex bowman wins last week not a household name by any means but as you said had a great car in the practice sessions led the most laps had hamlin in the daytona 500 by a nose it could very well have been Ryan Newman, a guy that nobody really took in that race. 
Joey Logano wins the second one. Harvick leads the most laps. But it feels like perhaps more than we've seen in a long time, there is more parity in NASCAR this year. Toyota, Ford, and Chevy all with a win. Used to be Joe Gibbs Racing dominated. Then Penske and Stuart Haas and Ford kind of closed that gap a little bit. Now Chevy gets a quick win. William Byron had a win in one of the duels. It feels like maybe this is a good time of the year to go price hunting and take some of those guys that are in, you know, the 15, 20 to one types of ranges because all these teams and all these manufacturers just seem to be kind of settling in a little bit. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you a guy, you know, be it matchups or, or, and I, and I can see a win in the cards for this guy somewhere along the way. Uh, he's driving really well. And, you know, when he gets the track that suits them and maybe an alternative pit strategy here and there, don't sleep on a guy like Matt to Benedetto. He's now in the Wood Brothers car. He's driving the 21. You know, kind of blossomed on the scene last year, um, and he's he's good in the restrictor plate races. But uh, this Matt to Benedetto guy, watch him. I mean, and yeah, I think he's a guy you can absolutely use. Uh, you know, when the matchups come out and you put him down in that middle third, and, and you look at the matchups when he'd be going against guys like Kurt Busch or Eric Jones or an Al Marola. Uh, don't sleep on Matt to Benedetto. I think he's a moneymaker for you. Maybe look at you know for a while. I'd say take a kick at playing him in matchups, and you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, there are some guys I have in mind on some of the bigger tracks. This one's just over a mile long, but I think a guy like an Eric Jones, he might win a mile-and-a-half race this year, or maybe one of those two-mile races, something like that. I don't know if he's a great racer in tighter conditions, but I think that, you know, with the the Joe Gibbs team, you know, he's kind of got the car, kind of has the equipment. If he can get out there and play a follow-the-leader type of race, I could see him winning a a mile-and-a-half type of event. I think Clint Boyer is going to get one here shortly. He had the poll last week. He tends to be in the hunt quite often. And Brad Keselowski is going to get one of these one-and-a-half-mile tracks here sometime soon, too. Um, Maybe not this week on the mile track, but he's a guy I would look at at Atlanta next week, at Homestead, at Texas. I think Keselowski gets one of these next three races here, too. So you always kind of want to be setting that up a little bit, circling some of these spots for these drivers as well. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you look at a guy like uh, Ricky Stenhouse. Uh, you know, the the the, the sports books would close if he won this race. You know, but you get to a restrictor plate race, and he's going to be twelve to one. Yeah, the thing about Stenhouse, if he would stop crashing in every race that he's in, he'd wind up being a pretty decent bet out there more often than not. But we wrap things up here on the college basketball side here. We're going to talk some conference tournaments real quickly, and in particular, we'll talk the Mountain West Conference Tournament with Brian. But before we get specifically to that one, Brian, how does your strategy differ betting conference tournament games as opposed to betting regular season games, or does it not differ at all? Well, yeah, the one thing that you'll get is that the weak teams, they are playing their last game of the year, right? I mean, they're turning in their sneakers the next day. So... You know, unless they're just a complete mess, you're going to get that team's best shot. And, you know, some team that's, you know, catching 12, 13, 14 against, uh, in a conference tournament against a quality team, the back door is always in play because the good team is going to, you know, has a game to play tomorrow. They're going to play four games in four days. And the biology major is going to get in, you know, in the last five minutes of a game. And the, and the other team, it's their last game. They're going to leave their starters in. So the teams that are facing elimination, A, you're getting their best shot, and the, the team that's advancing, 
it will be rested in guys. So I think there's real opportunities with the bad teams in conference tournament play. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, you think about the dunk highlights, the, the big, you know, highlight dunk highlights, those white guys at the end of the bench that act like they're holding everybody back. Those guys play when you're up by 20 in the conference tournament. So that's something you do want to factor in the equation here when you've got some of these big favorite roles for these teams. But the Mountain West Conference Tournament here at the Thomas and Mag Center, UNLV hosting this thing. They are the four seed for this conference tournament. San Diego State getting the odds here from Circa Sportsbook. Um, the offshore is very, very slow to post these, which has been uh, sticking in my craw all week long already. But over at Circa, San Diego State minus 170, Utah State plus 265. UNLV is the four seed, but the third favorite plus 1,000. Nevada plus 2,000. Boise 3,000. Colorado State 4,000. On down from there with teams that don't really have a chance to win this thing. But San Diego State, a minus money favorite here, Brian, in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Yeah, but the team, with all the motivation here, their last four in right now is Utah State. So specifically, I think uh, Utah State, without doubt, has to get to the semis. But the case can be made, depending on how many upsets there are in other conference tournaments, uh, you, I think Utah State absolutely has to get to the championship game. So the one with real motivation, I believe, is Utah State. And San Diego State, you know, are they playing for a one line? Probably not. Maybe they're better off being a two seed anyway. There was They finally lost that game to UNLV. You're talking about San Diego State being a, oh, hey, they're a one seed, but they're going to go beat a one seed in the East and have to play Duke. You know, they may be better served to be uh, a solid two seed and stay in the West. So there's there's chess pieces being moved around here too. But I think Utah State's the real motivated team, plus 325, and the puncher's chance uh, if you were going to step up and, and stay, you know, pull off the upset could be Nevada at 14 to 1. As always, shop around for the best prices here. Do you play conference tournament futures or are you just a game by game better? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I think there's some real opportunities. Um, I, I do. I like in the Mac, uh, I think a team like Buffalo honestly is, is a sneaky, dangerous team in the Mac. Uh, the Big East, wow. I mean, that, that tournament, uh, those teams, we've been talking about them. I think two teams from the Big East are going to make a run in the NCAA tournament, and they're just cannibalizing each other. And the team that's playing incredible basketball right now uh, is a Providence. You know, a Providence just on a heater. I took a flyer with Marquette at 60-1 to 1 in the NCAA tournament about a month ago. They've kind of flattened out. But this Big East, I'm telling you, uh, I think you're going anywhere from uh, Seton Hall you know, from three down to maybe even 11 seeds that, that can make a run because any one of those teams, just they eat each other alive on a nightly basis. I think the Big East is the conference to watch coming into the tournament this year. And one other thing I want to mention here quickly, because I know you got to take off, the money line rollover can generally be a much better price than the futures number. Yes. I look at a team in the Northeast Conference like a Fairleigh Dickinson. They're 25 to one, but their money line rollover, if you calculate it out, based on their spreads in previous games. And keep in mind, the Northeast Conference, all home games. It's on campus sites. So you've got a number right there that you can go and look at and say, what was Fairleigh Dickinson on the road at St. Francis? What were they on the road at Robert Morris? When you start to do some of that math, and they are on the road against LIU in the first round, probably a pick em type game, maybe uh, LIU minus one, something like that. You start factoring out the money line rollover. 
Start calculating this. Start with $100 or 10 bucks, something that makes it really easy. Look at the lines. Look at what the corresponding money line is going to look like. See what that is if you roll over. So, for example, let's say Fairleigh Dickinson is, you know, plus 105 in the first game against LIU. You bet 100 to win 105. You win. You've got 205. You roll that over to the next game where maybe they're plus 400. 205 into 400. You've got 805. You're already at 8 to 1 with your money line rollover. That's the way you want to look at some of these prices here and decide if the futures price itself or the money line rollover is more profitable for you. Yeah, and I'll throw one out there that I did play already. Uh, go to uh, the Colonial. And I'm a big Joe Mahalik fan, Hofstra 14-4, and four, uh, the number one seed in the tournament, plus 225. Kind of rooting for them. Uh, used to do stuff with Joe Mahalik uh, back in his days at Niagara. But William and Mary, if you're sitting there and you look at the odds for this tournament, Northeastern's three to one, Charleston's five to one, Towson's five to one, Delaware's six to one. There's some really decent teams in there. William and Mary's on the board at eight to one, and I think something slipped through the cracks here. William and Mary has the big man, and we know college basketball for the most part as you know who can knock it down from three point land. But William and Mary has the big guy in the paint. Uh, and if he stays out of foul trouble, A, you can't handle him offensively, and he's a, he's a difference maker in the paint. And oh, by the way, William and Mary has won five in a row and now currently are the number two seed in the conference, and they're on the board at eight to one. That's an overlay. I played William and Mary in the CAA. Always great to chat a variety of different sports betting markets on the show here with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Brian, I know you got a lot of stuff going on, man. How can people find it all? Uh, thanks, Adam. Uh, we got uh, Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline every day, noon to two. Uh, we get the odds makers for you from noon to one. KSHP.com. Uh, shows are at sportsbookradio.com, and I send them out on my Twitter at Brian Blessing. Vegas Hockey Hotline, one to two. Great guests. We had Dennis Bernstein on from LA yesterday. Uh, and uh, just outstanding hockey guests. Uh, think if you're a hockey fan, you'll love it. And we're doing the Hockey Betting Podcast, which is really starting to take off and grow. Do that with my good friend Cam Stewart, north of the border. And uh, we've been uh, knock on wood. He's hilarious, and he's got a great opinion. Uh, and, and we kind of hashed this thing out uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We put them out, but basically cover the seven days on ice in the NHL with the Hockey Betting Podcast. That's up at betchriscanada.net, but I put every day out on my Twitter, Brian Blessing. So a lot of good hockey stuff for you there. And like I mentioned, we'll have a video for the Arnold Palmer Invitational over on our Bang the Book YouTube page. Maybe a look at the NASCAR event and some of the other stuff that we talked about here on today's show so keep an eye out for that once again brian blessing sportsbook radio vegas hockey hotline at brian blessing on twitter appreciate your time as always man thank you so much and we'll talk to you again next week buddy it was great to see you glad you made the rounds uh good luck with the baseball betting guide i know everybody out here is raving about uh what a great uh, piece of work that is and you're getting a lot of love out here on that front so good luck with that there you go. Thank you so much, Brian. Once again, Brian Blessing at Brian Blessing on Twitter. Sportsbook Radio, Vegas Hockey Hotline, Hockey Betting Podcast, Bang the Book YouTube, all over the place, to say the least. Coming up on our Wednesday edition of the show, we'll chat with professional handicapper Brian Leonard from wagertalk.com. We'll take a look at some baseball stuff and some NBA with him. Then we'll talk XFL for week five and some college basketball conference tournaments with Wes Reynolds of VEASAN at Wes Reynolds and the number one on Twitter. 
That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.